0: All right, well, how's everybody doing this morning? I'm so glad everybody's here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave, and uh, how many of you all were here for our worship night on Tuesday? Thanksgiving worship night. It was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? Yes. So great just to see everybody out here, so many from the community, so many from, uh, from everywhere, just here praising God together, just being thankful. It's a really powerful night. If you've never been to a Catalyst Worship Night, I really want to uh, invite you. Our next one will be Christmas Eve. We have Sunday morning service, and we have our Christmas Eve Worship Night, which is just just phenomenal. So all of you guys are invited out to that. If you need to know what day it is, Christmas Eve, you know, ask somebody. So. Um, but guys we're finishing up our series today on four sins that sound godly. It's kinda of, kind of things that, that we I don't know, just kind of let go in the church and, and maybe even encourage a little bit, and we're just kind of shining a light on some dark areas. Uh, we, we talked about spiritual complaining, about whining, uh, w- w- what that did, and how a lot of times people that whine and complain, we, we kind of think they're godly because they're always calling things out, but on the surface, it's basically a spirit of discontent. When we talked about spiritual apathy, how, how the, the words, that's not my job, and, and I've already done my time, those f- phrases are not in the Bible anywhere. Last week, we talked about uh, a spiritual, ap- uh, spiritual apathy, and, and this week we're talking about spiritual entitlement, spiritual entitlement, and uh, the feeling that you deserve things, and it's, and it's inherent to our nature. And I hope that you guys will really get a hold of this, because entitlement is going to stop God's blessings in your life. It's gonna stop, stop the power of God working in your life. The more you feel deserving, the more you feel entitled to what God has to offer, then the less you're going to receive. And the main thing, king of kings, is not your servant nor your butler. Pastor Francis Chan said it best in his book, Crazy Love. The critical question for our generation, every generation, is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had Here on earth, all the food you ever liked, all the leisure activities you've ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you've ever seen, all the physical pleasures you've ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? In other words, paradise, absolute, utter paradise, but the only thing is Jesus in there. Could you be satisfied? Well, if you answer in your heart yes, then you really have a problem. You are a person whose view of God is that he is the way to get blessings. I don't know uh, if you've ever had a friend that saw you as a ticket to get what they want. Um, Somebody who you only hear from when they want something. You only see them when they need something. Uh, maybe they guilt trip you if you don't give them what they want, uh, they get angry at you, they, 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 they uh, insult you or, or yell at you when you don't give them what they want, or you don't do what they want you to do. You know people like that? Absolutely. Well, just make sure that those, that we are not that kind of person before God. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is God. He is the answer to our prayers. He is the ultimate satisfaction for our souls. And anything beyond that is simply icing on the cake. His blessings come and go, but He remains. He is our goal, people, get that. He is our goal, our prize, the one desire of our hearts, our life goal, our purpose, uh, and the answer to everything we ever dreamed or desired. And until we get that straight, until we get the main thing the main thing, there's no purpose in talking about blessing from God, none whatsoever, because until God, not his blessing is your goal. You won't understand the Christian faith. You won't understand the Christian faith at all. So before we start, this, start today, I'm going to do something just kind of crazy and weird. I'm going to invite you to die. Yeah, I'm going to invite you to die, okay? I'm going to invite you to die to yourself, To everything that you want, everything that you desire, everything that is that part of you that just wants and wants and wants and gets upset when you don't get what you want. I want to invite that part of you to die, to die to your desires for the blessing of God more than God himself. Until you die to that, you'll never understand the Christian faith. I'm going to invite you to stop prizing what God will give you more than God himself and i'm going to invite you to simply start enjoying god to die to self to die to greed to die to, die to entitlement and expectation that things will provide the deepest action, the satisfaction for your soul and on to die to all that to put to death simply begin enjoying the power of presence of god in your life then and only then will you understand jesus then and only then will you understand the christian faith there's no doubt God wants to bless people, no doubt at all. If you go to Scripture, God is blessing people right and left. If, if I was to ask you, the people in just in this room and joining us online, if God has blessed you, we could probably stay here all day with you listen off everything that God has blessed you with. Amen? At least Scripture and history are just full of times where God is taking care of People gave unexpectedly, blessed the work of people's hands, blessed with money, blessed with children, with friendship, with love and joy and peace and through the Spirit, all that stuff, okay? So the question we want to answer today is this, who does God bless? Who does he bless? What does Scripture say makes up the person who has favor from God? And and the first kind of person that God blesses is the one who feels undeserving of his blessing, the one who feels undeserving. It's kind of strange. The person that feels like they deserve everything when God gets nothing. The person that feels completely, totally undeserving, that's who God pours his blessing on. If we tu- you guys turn to 2 Samuel 7, 8 through 22, there's a story, a guy named King David, a man after God's own heart. This is God speaking about him. It says this, now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock. He was a, he was a shepherd. Not much glory in that, okay? All right. Appointed you, ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you've gone. And I've cut off your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. And I have done so ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest, with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, so your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 14, I will be his father, he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Prophet Nathan reported all this to David, uh, the words of the entire revelation, verse eighteen. Check out, check this out. You want to know why God blessed David? Check out this right here, verse eighteen. Then King David went and sat before the Lord and said, "Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if that were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you've also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human." What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant how great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you. There's no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. So when, when God says, listen, I took you out of being a shepherd and I put you as king and I, and I silenced all your enemies and I blessed you and I've established your throne. David does not say, well, of course. Look how awesome I am. He didn't say that. He says, God, who am I? I'm nothing. I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to stand in your presence that you're doing all this for me. Who am I that you would bless me this way? And that heart that David had before God was the conduit of all of the blessings that God gave him. Now my question is this, is that your heart before God today? Did you walk in here with a lot of issues with God? God, I'm gonna put you on the docket and I'm gonna demand some answers because I don't like the way you've been treating me, God. I don't like the way my life's been going. I don't like the way you've been doing things. I don't like the way, you, the way you've been running the show. I don't like the fact that when I ask you something, you tell me no. I don't like that, God, so I've got some, uh, some stuff for you and you're gonna answer me. Is that your attitude this morning? Maybe so. A person with that attitude should not expect any blessings in, God's life, in, in your life at all. Because entitlement, you guys, is the slayer of God's blessings. Entitlement. It's the E word, you hear a lot about the word entitlement, today. Eh? It's uh, every, all the generations criticize the generation after. By the way, I, I don't know, I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, for all of you Gen Zers and millennials have been criticized that you're entitled and, and, and not working hard and that kind of stuff. You guys, l- let me tell you something. They said that about my generation too, okay? And guess what, my parents' generation, they were criticized by their parents' generation, so every generation thinks that the one behind it is nothing, okay, that's just the way it is. Uh, So don't listen to that too much, all right? But entitlement is the slayer of God's blessing. Entitlement is a feeling that you deserve something in life. Sometimes you work for it, sometimes you have not Sometimes it's what everyone else has, and you think it's fair that you should have it too, Sometimes it's not. But feeling entitlement is what stops God from blessing you. Feeling you deserve. A person who feels that he or she deserves something from God, that God somehow owes them something simply for existing, shouldn't expect any blessing from God. Well, why? Because pride drives entitlement, you guys. Pride is the ground upon which entitlement grows. Pride and look what the Bible says about pride. James 4 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God doesn't bless those he opposes, you guys. If you have a prideful, entitled heart, feeling like you're owed something simply for existing in this world, God's opposing you right now. And that's not a good state to be in. The good news is this you can change. See, pride is the most deadly of all sins. So, first, we repent. Of our pride. Say, Lord, you know, I'm thinking of myself a little higher than I should. Okay, I've, I've gotten consumed with myself. I've, I've, I've elevated self to the highest thing and, and, and I'm demanding things for my life. And Lord, I, I, I need to be taken down a few notches. I need to repent of that. And second, we change our attitude. We change our attitude. Doesn't do any good to repent of something if you keep the same attitude, so you change your attitude. Guys, I did an exhaustive study. I had a lot of time this week when I was sitting in deer stands and hunting and everything to go through the Bible. I went through writings of the Christian scholars and theologians. I went through Old Testament, New Testament, you name it. I I scoured in the original languages, in Hebrew and in Greek. I studied church fathers and writings and, and all this kind of stuff. And I compiled an exhaustive list of everything that you're entitled to. You want to see it? There it is. That's everything that God owes you. So the fact that you have anything at all, the fact that your heart is beating, the fact you have air in your lungs, the fact you have clothes, the fact that I guess you drove here, not many people walked here, means you have a vehicle, means that you have what you don't deserve. And when you change your attitude to that, the entire world opens up to you. But if you have an exhaustive list of everything you think God owes you, you're going to wind up frustrated, you're going to wind up angry, you're going to wind up stressed and anxious and depressed because God's not treating you like you think he should. See, guys, entitlement's the slayer of God's blessings. We can tell the amount of entitlement we have in our lives. Here's the, here's the test. If you have entitlement, if you, if you have an entitled heart before God, this is how you know, okay? It, it, this is how you know. What do you do when God doesn't do what you ask him to do? What do you do when God tells you no? What do you do when you pray and you ask and you get silence? What do you do? See, so guys, I'm an expert in this. I could write a PhD in this. It's, uh, those of you guys who know anything about me You know that, it, that it's deer season. I get really into deer season. I mean, like, really into deer season. Okay? Okay. Uh, my 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 wife is very glad that it's Sunday. Today's the last day of rifle season because I'll actually be at home. You know, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got first day, man. I've gotten in a while, but uh, a couple of years ago, guys, I I I went I went hunting and, and I love venison. I'm not a trophy hunter. I love venison, so I try to fill my freezer every year. It means I'd like to get as many deer as possible because we make brats and chili and burgers and all kinds of good stuff. and everybody's hungry. All right. But uh, I went hunting and I got up early and and drove down uh, to the place and and, and got in the blind and I sat there all morning and I didn't see anything. And um, so I started praying, you know, like like a good pastor would, you know, Lord, send me the buck, (laughs) send me. And then after a while, I'll be, okay, well, Lord, I'd be happy with the doe too, okay? And then, Lord, send me anything. And nothing happened. I sat there all day and I prayed some more. Nothing happened. I prayed some more. Nothing happened. And then surprisingly, guys, and I say this to my own shame, I started to get angry. And I got angrier, I got angrier, I I got angrier, and I began reminding God of all of his obligations. I said, Lord, you brought animals to the ark In Noah's time, that means you are sovereign over animals. If you could bring animals to the ark, you could bring a deer out here. Okay? And the fact that you're not means that you don't care. And I started getting angrier and angrier. And then God took me to the deepest place of my soul. And I don't know whether it was pride or entitlement, but it was just the sovereign work of God in my life that day. The place I went to was a place I didn't know existed anymore. I thought I'd dealt with it, but I hadn't. I said, God, I didn't pray to you for three years after my son died because I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that you would save his life, and you didn't. You taught me back then that prayer doesn't really do anything, God. And I said, what's the point of prayer? Guys, I could not believe the words that were coming out of my mouth. I did not know that place in my heart existed anymore. It had been like 15 years since my son died. And I said, see, God, I'm almost afraid to pray because every time I ask you for something, I get my hopes up. And I really believe, and you're awesome and powerful and amazing and everything, and so when I ask you, you do nothing, I get my hopes dashed. I build up my hopes, and I get knocked down, and after having that happen to me again and again and again, God, I'm about to throw up my hands and say, what's the point? Maybe if you would say yes a few times, God, maybe more people be praying to you. I could not believe this was down in my heart. It's lurking in there. And like I said, well, God, after a while of praying and hearing no, it hurts. I think that's the reason I don't ask you for anything. I'm just tired of getting my hopes up and having them dash, God. If I don't expect anything from you, I won't be disappointed when you just simply don't do anything. This is your pastor, you guys. I was very shocked, and I was honestly, I was distressed. That place lurked in my heart. But the nice thing about God is that there were no lightning bolts thrown my way for that. God was big enough to handle it. And I think God took me there purposefully because, see, God's not into fake. He's into real. And he knew that I'd, something I didn't know, that that place, that wounded place was still within me. And he used my frustration and a no to bring it out and deal with it don't you love it when God does that, that he doesn't treat you like a child? He actually takes you to the places that you need him to, that you need because that's what you need. He doesn't say, well, Dave probably can't handle that. I'm just gonna kind of, you know, say, say that, that I love him and this kind no, God took me to the deepest place, the most rebellious place of my soul and the most wounded place of my soul with this. I couldn't believe it. Like I said, I was dismayed. and I was actually destroyed. That was still inside my heart. I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian, I love God with everything I am. And I've been saved from the fires of eternal hell by God who had no good reason to save me. I'm a leader in the Christian community, my family, myself, and that was still there, you guys. It's been running around my soul for 15 years. And what God showed me, it's been a process, and he kind of brought it home this year and I'll share that with you in just a minute what he's been doing in my life and he's always used dear season to do it but what God showed me was there's a better thing than entitlement and it's a beautiful word and he wants it for you and he wants it for me it's called contentment contentment see guys if entitlement is the slayer of God's blessings Contentment is the accelerator of God's blessings. Philippians 4 11 through 13, the Apostle Paul, who had an incredibly hard life, nothing like mine, an incredibly hard life, wrote this I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. Stop right there. Have you learned that? how to be content in any and every situation, that is a real life skill. If you can be content in any situation, that's a life skill worth learning. Let's see what he says here. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, Lord, if I try to find my contentment in the things around me, the things I get, the job, the, 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 the marriage, the kids, whatever, I'm gonna wind up angry and depressed, but Lord, My contentment is in you. So my question is this, Catalyst Christian Church, I want to hold up a mirror in front of your face and ask you this question. How content are you? I mean, really? Contentment is the state of being that if God does nothing for you other than save you from hell, other than forgive your sins by going to the cross and taking your punishment, and, and you, taking your punishment uh, for you, and he does nothing else for you, could you be happy? That's a question. How content are you really, Americans, people who are dearly loved by God? Content, a state of being where if God did nothing for you, other than forgiving your sins, adopting you as his child, saving you from hell, you'd be perfectly happy. Let's go to a, a tough place right now. Y'all, are y'all ready? No kid gloves here. Let's go to a tough place. If God never said yes to you for the rest of your life, if you prayed and God said no to everything, could you be content? If He never sent you the husband or wife that you want, single and searching people, could you be content? Is God enough? If he never sent you the child you've been praying for, couples that are struggling with infertility, if he never provided you with a child, could you be content? If he never gave you that raise or promotion, if for the next 20, 30 years you're in the job and you never get a raise, could you be content? Uh, If he never removes that troublesome coworker, If he never gave you victory in the lawsuit against you, you've been sued for everything you are, and you get taken to the cleaners, could you be content? Yeah, let's go there, people. If he never healed you or your loved one of a chronic disease and you watched your loved one suffer and die and he never healed, could you be content? See, guys, we gotta go there. Because in church, a lot of times we don't go to the deep places. We don't ask the hard questions, but we're doing that today. Because there may be a spot lurking in your heart like there was lurking in mine. Where there was a wound, where there was um, disappointment with God, and he wants to bring it out of you right now. He's he's not treating you like a kid, he's treating you like an adult, and I love that. So let's just get real here. Would you be content? I was faced with that question in 2004 when my son was in the NICU and and, and everything. If, if 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 he dies, would, I, uh, would would will I still be God? God asked me. Several years later, in 2018, we got the a call that, that my daughter was in a horrific car crash. edder drunk driver blew through the red light at 55 miles an hour, T-boned her, and we took her to UK hospital. And it turns out she was okay. She had a badly bruised leg with a door uh, hit her leg, and she had some soreness in her, uh, in her neck, but that was it. She was, she was okay. And later on that, that, that week, I, I, was, I was just thanking God. I was saying, God, you know, thank you so much for saving my daughter's life. It could have gotten so much worse, and God asked me, well, if she had died, would I be any less good? And I was faced with that awful, terrible question. See, guys, that's what God does. It's contentment. Contentment is what God wants for all of us in spite of all of these situations. That's what he's calling you and me to. See, guys, the person that God blesses, blesses, the person with contentment, check it out, these are the things about them. The first thing is that they're empty and therefore ready to receive God's blessings. The person that God blesses, Second Samuel seven eighteen through nineteen. God, David says this: Who am I, Sovereign Lord, and what is my family? You've brought me this far, and if that were not enough in your sight, Sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant, and this decree, Sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. He's like, 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 Lord, anything that you've given me, I can't, I can't believe this. I was a shepherd, and so if 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 you even move me out of that, I'd be. I won the lottery, but you put me in, I can't believe my good fortune. Someone told me once that the happiest marriages are the ones where both people believe they got better than they deserved. Yeah, okay. So those are the happiest marriage. Well, th- th- that's true of the Christians as well. My question, Callous Christian Church, do you truly believe you got better than you deserve? Are you living better than you deserve right now? Because if you don't believe that, if you think that somehow you're being shortchanged, that somehow life has been unfair to you, that God has been unfair to you, you are going to be a miserable, miserable person, and you're not living in reality. See, the person that God blesses is someone who believes they got so much better than they ever deserved. Someone asked me this question. What if the only things you had today were the things that you were thankful for yesterday? Let's just go through your mind right now. How many of you all were thankful for clothes yesterday? Anybody thankful for your clothes? I say, thank you, Lord, for these jeans. Thank you for these shoes. Thank you. Anybody say that? Okay, everybody would be naked. How many of y'all were thankful for your house yesterday as as cluttered and and broken down and old as it is? How many of y'all were thankful for that yesterday? Okay, you'd be homeless. How many of y'all were thankful for our church building yesterday? We'd be sitting out on, on First Street. See, guys, if the only things you had were the things you were thankful for yesterday, how would you be doing? Not so well, right? Well, guys... That's the person that God blesses that can't believe how good they've got it. And believe me, if you're alive, you've got it better than you deserve. See, guys, um, this year has been different for me. Very, very different for me. And I'll, I'll uh, uh, explain that to you with, with your season. But I want to go back to Tuesday where we gave God praise. See, guys, the person that God blesses immediately returns God's blessings to him in the form of praise. And King David, when he is blessed like this, immediately goes and worships God, okay? So my question is, when God does something for you, when when God blesses you like he has, do you return it to him in the form of praise? Do you? When, when, When you go home today and you walk into your house, the fact that you have one, will you return that to God in the form of praise? Will you, will you worship God for giving you a home? The fact that you have clothes, the fact that maybe you're driving home, you get in your car as, as, as old and broken down or rusty as it is maybe, but you've got one, will you return it to, the form, return it to God in the form of praise? See guys, that's who God blesses. That's who God sends his power through are the people that can't believe they've gotten it as good as they've gotten it. And that's what we see in King David here. And so guys, like I said, this year's been very different for me. And I'll tell you why. That that conversation I had with God in the deer stand happened four years ago. And for the last four years, God has been teaching me things. And, And this year, I am happy to report that I have an insight into what God has been trying to teach me through the frustration of deer season. All right? Guys, um, God has changed my sense of entitlement this year. I like to think he's buried it because, well, I'll tell you why. He did it by allowing me to experience failure and frustration. Um, anybody who's ever hunted knows that deer don't work according to your time frame. They don't, they don't come where they're called. They, uh, they don't show up when you're ready. Don't, you know, you're given two weeks. Well, they don't care about the two weeks of, of season. No, they're going to move where they're going to move and they're going to do what they want to do. And you have to be okay with that. And I went out so many times, saw nothing, saw nothing, saw nothing. Now, in previous years, I would have been very upset. I would have been upset with God. God, you could move to kind of like what I was talking about four years ago. This year, I realized something, you guys. When I was younger, I, grew, I was born in 1974, so I grew up in the 80s. And if I wanted to watch a TV show, in the 80s, there was no streaming service. You actually had to wait till Tuesday at seven. You guys know what I'm talking about? And if you missed an episode, you were, you were toast. You had to wait for summer reruns. Okay, if I wanted to listen to a song, I couldn't go to Spotify or YouTube, I had to wait by the radio and put a, cassette, put a cassette in, people, yeah, and record it on a cassette, and the DJ always talked over the song, okay? That's what I had to do. And guys, now, if I want to watch a show, I stream it. Now, if I want to listen to a song, I go to Spotify or YouTube, and I listen to it, And guys, what I realize is I've taken an American 2023 mindset to God, and I've demanded that God fit my time frame, and most of you have too. And I've made the mistake of thinking that when God does not do things in my time frame or when I want him to do things, that either he doesn't care or he's not powerful, or he's not there. The problem isn't God, the problem is I've taken a 2023 American mindset and and posed it on the world. I wonder if that's why there's so much anxiety, so much depression, so much mental issues is that we are trying to force life. We're trying to, it, we're, we're, what we look like to God, you guys, is a farmer who planted corn and is yelling at the corn, trying to get it to grow faster. Now, you can yell all you want, but the corn is gonna grow at its own rate in its own time, true? 150 years ago, everybody knew that. You couldn't plant corn in the winter, you can plant, and it was only gonna grow during the growing season. And if you wanted to grow another time, tough! You, you had to deal with it. Well, guys, we've lost that. And I think that one of the reasons we have so many problems in life is our 2023 mindset is butting up against reality. And God is saying, listen, I'm gonna provide for you, but I'm gonna provide for you when I see fit. You tiny little human, you wonderful, blessed, loved little human. You don't know your right hand from your left. And you have to know that you are not the center of creation. You are not the determiner of reality. I am. And you're going to have to be okay with that. Because if you aren't, you're going to run into all kinds of issues. I wonder how many of us just this week have been that farmer yelling at the corn, trying to get it to grow faster and being upset when it doesn't listen. See, guys, that's what God taught me about deer season this year. He said, I'm going to provide for you, and you need to keep going out, but you have to be okay with being a very small part of my creation. Creation doesn't move according to you. It doesn't move according to your whims. And, guys, when you come to accept that, that you are a tiny, insignificant, loved little part of God's huge creation, You know, it's not just okay, it actually is good. You realize you're not calling the shots, and it's okay not to get what you want when you want it. It's okay, people, because that's reality. Previous generations understood that. Previous generations understood that, that sometimes you have to wait, that you don't get what you want when you want it. And the increasing increasing demand that things go as we want them to go, when we want them to go, is causing breakdowns in our families. It's causing breakdowns in our mental health. It's causing breakdowns in the church. It's causing people to walk away from the Christian faith because they think God doesn't care or isn't there for them. And instead, the problem isn't with God. The problem is with them. They're trying to force an apple tree to give apples when it's not in season, and they're frustrated things are not going like they want it to go. See, guys, a person that's pushy and rude and demanding before God like that, God says, hang on, Junior, you're not God, and you have to be okay with that. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, you guys, when you realize that, there comes a peace. How many of y'all need some peace in your life? Yeah. Yeah. With that contentment, with allowing God to be God and realizing that things just aren't gonna move according to your time frame, there comes a peace. There comes a joy, actually, and an okayness with life that so many of us are missing badly. If you struggle with anxiety, I'm gonna ask you have you taken a 2023 American mindset and imposed it on life? Have you? Is that why you're so anxious? Is that why you're so worried? Because things aren't doing, because, because you can't on-demand life? Let me ask this, just like corn grows at its pace, I'll tell you this, people, people change at their own pace. If you're frustrated with someone like a family member, if you're frustrated with a child, you're frustrated with a husband, you're frustrated with the wife, and they're just not getting it, and they're not doing what you want them to do, and they're not doing everything you want them to do, understand you may be a farmer yelling at a stalk of corn, and instead, you need to cultivate it, you need to nourish it, you need to wait as God grows, and God does things in his time. Maybe that will lessen a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the problems, a lot of the worry, okay, a lot of the stress. That's what, I le- that's what God taught me this year. Yeah, God, God provided, God, God brought deer to me. I had to keep going out, I had to keep being faithful, I had to keep using what he taught me about hunting, yeah, yeah, he- but he did it in his time, and guys, I had to be okay with it. And guys, that's the lesson. That's who God blesses. Not the people that are rude and demanding before God, but people that are content, saying, God, if you, my my heart is beating, I already got better than I deserved, and anything I have in life are things I don't deserve, and I can't believe I've got it so good. When you take that attitude to God, God goes, hmm, all right. Let's see what we can do with this person. Because no matter what I send their way, they're going to think they won the lottery. So let's rid ourselves of entitlement. Let's destroy that part within us because it's killing the work of God in our lives. And let's be okay with being a tiny, minuscule, loved part of God's creation. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you next Sunday.